check, check. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Inside the Mirror Podcast. I'm Kyle David, I'll be your host. Let's get started. This first episode, I'm just going to tell you the story of my life, where I came from, um, what I came through, to where I'm at now, and what I plan um, to do with my life and where I'm headed. So, here we go. My name is Kyle David Crabtree, as my full name, my government name. I was born August 8th, 1987 in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Boomer Sooner! I don't really know how to give any hand claps or anything yet, but once I figure out the hand claps, Boomer Sooner! There will be applause, I promise you. So, born in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, I lived there till the age of 8, and we moved to Cincinnati, Ohio. Random, I know. Not the greatest place on earth, not the worst place on earth, sorry if you live in Cincinnati. I lived there so I can speak on it. Um, It's an averagely decent place. I lived there until, I don't remember a lot of those years. The early years are a bit hazy. My father was a pastor growing up. I do know I spent a lot of time in church. Those are vivid memories that I have, but not a lot else. Up until about the age of, you know, 13, I moved to Fort Collins, Colorado, which is where I claim as home. I have a tattoo on my left arm. It's a C um, representing Colorado because that's what I claim. (sighs) Again, if I knew how to put in effects, there would be clapping and applause and something like that, but there's not. So, Fort Collins, Colorado, that's really where my, obviously my early adolescence began. Seventh grade, age 13. Um, Young Kyle began to develop into an adult, into a human not that I wasn't human. I mean, biologically, I was obviously a human um, at age, you know, at age day one. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what that age there is. But 13, when I moved to Fort Collins is really when things started developing for me as far as um, just starting to live life and go through things. Uh, seventh grade was my first year in public education. That will be another podcast episode, My Opinions from experience and from reading and researching just public education. Don't let me go on a tangent, folks. I am a ranter. I have the gift of gab, and it will be exercised on this podcast immensely. So, anyways, back to it. Seventh grade, Weber Junior High in Fort Collins, Colorado. I spent seventh and eighth grade there. I played football. I ran track. I was into sports, guys. My dad was an athlete. My grandfather was an athlete only made sense that I also was a part of athletics. So I was. And athletics were a huge part of my life and I've learned a lot from athletics. We moved across town to the north side of Fort Collins for my ninth grade year of junior high so I could play football at Poudre High School. Shout out to Poudre High School. Again, (laughs) applause. But I did have to attend Lincoln Junior High for my ninth grade year. I was a minority, believe it or not, at Lincoln Junior High, heavy Hispanic population, which is probably why I tell people I am brown deep down. That is politically incorrect, but to me, it is correct. I think the Hispanic culture has had the most impact on my life, and the people around me that know me would agree. I have a tattoo on my neck. I give all credit to um, my circumstances and the culture I grew up around. Maybe I should edit that out. No, I'm giving credit. Anyways, I I didn't tattoo myself, but I chose to tattoo my neck. Therefore, I take full credit, but I do give a little bit of credit to the culture around me. Anyways, ninth grade Lincoln Junior High in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you play sports at the junior high, or I'm sorry, in ninth grade, you are you attend the junior high educationally, but you play sports at the high school. They bust us over to the high school. So I played football and basketball for Poudre High School starting in ninth grade. And then going into 10th grade, my sophomore year, I started attending Poudre High School. And uh, I was a quiet kid. I always grew up a quiet kid, but I was very aware. I was always watching and listening to my parents and to the adults around me. And I just had this deep desire. I always wanted to be an adult. I didn't want to be a child. I didn't want to be a kid. And I had no choice. Biologically, I had to progress through childhood to get to adulthood. But I hated it. When we went to restaurants, I wanted an adult menu. I didn't want to be treated as a child, even though I was a child. But I was always very aware, and I was observing. And looking back at my high school years, I realized how much I hated school. I hated school. I loved my parents. 
Therefore, I did well in school. Graduated with a decent GPA. I did not give a flip about school. Ever. Ever. Never. I applied myself just enough to get decent grades to appease my parents so I could then progress on towards adulthood, which was the ultimate goal for me. Adulthood. Being an adult. Being independent. Making my own choices. Again, I was a quiet kid, but I was paying attention. I kept to myself most of high school. I was good friends with very few people. I'm not really sure that's another episode of diving deep into why did I not have a lot of friends? Why do I still not have a lot of friends? I have many, many acquaintances. I love people. I've come out of my shell. I used to be an introvert growing up. I am definitely not anymore. I think people change. But anyways, going back to high school, I did not have a lot of close friends. I did have a lot of acquaintances, however, and um, I think they held me in decently high regard because I was kind to everyone. There's another podcast episode, Kindness. It'll take you a long way. A lot of people that I went to high school with, um, I was very kind to, and now a lot of those people have reached out and have been kind back to me, even if they weren't back in the day. Kept a low profile in high school. Again, I played football in two-a-days before my junior year. Uh, Two-a-day practices, caught a pass, put my left arm out to brace my fall, and a linebacker tackled me. My elbow went inward and snapped. Crack. There goes football for the rest of my high school career. Thankfully, I still had basketball. I loved basketball. Honestly, love basketball more than football um, as far as playing the game. Um, But I did love football, and I did enjoy the coaches that I had. Shout out to the coaches at Poudre High School, the Impalas. That was a good football program, and I have a lot of love for those guys still. But, you know, I broke my arm, snapped my arm, and that was it for football in high school. I continued to play basketball. I applied myself heavily. I I believe so much in the power of practice, practice, perseverance. I was not the most naturally gifted athlete. My brother was, my uncle was, my dad and I were workhorses. We loved sports. We wanted to be good. Therefore, we applied ourselves and worked really, really, really hard to become good at sports. And I did start to excel at basketball over the years as I applied myself. But again, not the natural ability. I was 5'8", 5'9", throughout my high, most of my high school career. So I was obviously a point guard. I was not huge. But I was aware. I was a team player. I was uh, a hard worker. And I would ask my coaches, what do you need me to do? I want to start. I want to be the best. So those life lessons, I think, were instilled in me by my parents growing up. That was useful in sports. Um, But my senior year of sports, politics became to play a big role. Um, I obviously attended every open gym I could. I practiced every day outside my house shooting free throws, three-pointers, playing against my brother, my dad. Anybody that wanted to play, I was down. I don't remember playing against my sister, but, Kristen, if you're listening, if I did play against my sister, I'm sure I shredded her because I was fierce. Again, not the most naturally talented, but my mental was fierce, and I wanted to be the best, and I wanted to win. My father raised me to be a winner. Another podcast episode there about is being raised to be a winner always a great thing? Some yes, some no. Anyways, after being led to believe that it was n- it was not even an issue, I obviously was going to play varsity basketball as a senior at Puda High School. I'd applied myself to the program for years. I was a known face, a known talent, and somewhere along the way, politics and personal preference of coaches, they get to choose the team. Um, therefore, uh, the final day of senior tryouts, which I crushed it, they sat me down and and uh, let me know I would not be making the varsity basketball team my senior year. And that crushed me. That was a big, big deal to me because that is what I love. At that point, all I cared about in life was making the varsity basketball team. Still to this day, I still disagree with that decision simply based on talent, desire, and heart and what I could have added to that program. Now, I may sound bitter. I'm not. I have forgiven those coaches, but that was the first, one of the first big wounds in my life. Let me back it up now that I spoke about wounds. I do need to back it up. When I was, let me see, between the ages of 13, 14, 15, can't remember exactly 
my uncle Rob, who was a was a man's man, he taught me and my brother how to fish. Um, we shot our first guns there out at his ranch in Nebraska. He was a man's man, and he taught me a lot about f- outdoorsy things. Again, fishing. The first horses I rode were with him. The first guns I shot were with him. Um, at age forty, he was. My aunt found him dead on the floor. He had drank so much whiskey in his lifetime that his liver failed and alcohol killed my uncle. That was the first hugely impactful moment in my life that I can vividly remember the emotions, the situation, the funeral. I remember who spoke at the funeral. I remember the visuals of the funeral. Um, I miss my Uncle Rob, but nonetheless, life goes on. Alcohol, drink, and excess will kill you. Pause. Back to it. Basketball was the second then that that basketball incident of not making the varsity squad my senior year when everything and everyone that would have asked me or been a bystander would have said, of course Kyle should make that basketball team. I did not. Um, And that was my senior year. I also had a girlfriend at the time. And shortly after I did not make the basketball team, my girlfriend decided that she did not want to be with me. Now, it may seem not like a big deal. Everybody breaks up. It's a high school, whatever, whatever. I am an overly emotional man. Let me say that now. Episode one, I am overly emotional compared to the majority of people. I live and breathe emotion. That is all I know. That is all I will ever know. I am overly emotional. I am a deep feeler. I'm just an emotional guy. And between not making the basketball team and my girlfriend breaking up with me and everything that I wanted in life at that point, A, being making the basketball team, B, I wanted to be with my girlfriend forever. (laughs) I loved her and she left me. Those two things sent me down a path over the next 10 years that almost killed me that were not productive for the majority of those years and hurt a lot of people. I graduated high school, obviously. I moved out of my parents' home. I moved in with some friends. And I immediately began to escape life. I began partying, drinking, lots of sexual activity. If you're offended by that, you should probably pause this forever because I'm going to say... A lot of things that you may think are inappropriate or they may make you feel uncomfortable. But guess what? It's truthful and that's what we're about here. We being me. Me, myself, and I. We are going to be truthful from the get. So, yes, my vices became quickly alcohol and females and alcohol and females. And I also went to work every now and again to pay for the alcohol. It was a revolving cycle for many, many years. My parents this whole time loved me, never gave up on me, but I was headed down a dark path, and that was only the beginning. A lot of things happened, a lot of it I don't remember. That whole time I was hurting inside, my girlfriend had broken up with me, and I took that so personally, it devastated my world for the next decade, even when I was in other relationships. Don't downplay people's heartbreak. We're going to put an asterisk here. Do not downplay people's heartbreak. It is real. It affects their lives. Whether you think it's a big deal or not, that is inconsequential because you are not in their skin. You don't know their feelings. People used to tell me, Kyle, get over it. Kyle, get over it. Kyle, it's not a big deal. Kyle, there's plenty of girls. Kyle, you're hooking up with other girls. Kyle, look, you cannot tell anyone their pain is not their pain. Let me put a period there. After many years of drinking every day as much as I could, whether it was during the day, after work, all the time, I tried to go to college three semesters. I withdrew from every semester because I would get a fat zero F, and I would rather take a W at the time, I thought. Now I don't care. I personally was not meant to go to college. It was not for me. College is a great thing for some. It was not a great thing for me. But my number one priority in life was, again, party girls party girls escape really what that party girls drink girls whatever that cycle was was escape 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 num 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 i did not want to feel my emotions now ironically partying drinking all of that made me feel it compounded the negative emotions in me obviously making poor choices constantly drinking and driving 
almost every night, constantly. I started smoking pot heavy at 19. Heavy. When I say heavy, I mean as soon as I woke up to the minute I put my head and laid down on the pillow and went to bed, I was high constantly. Now you may say, Kyle, it's just pot. You're right. It is just pot. And I really don't think pot is a big deal. But I think using pot all day, every day is a huge deal because it's indicative of something else. At least for me, there was a reason I was using pot all day, drinking every opportunity I could. I wasn't 21. Thankfully, my roommates were. Shout out to them. (laughs) Actually, some of those guys are still my really good friends. But some of the decisions they made during those times had lasting effects too. Um, But shout out to my boys. They know who they are. So that period of time continued for many years. I ended up moving out from that house and moving in with my sister. I got an apartment with my sister and... Then I started influencing her. She was obviously in control of her own life, making her own decisions, but I definitely influenced her in in my cycle of partying and partying and drinking and drinking and drinking every night. I can't tell you how much money I gave to McCormick's Vodka to, oh, what was the name of that? Um, Burnett's. <laughs> There's the applause for Burnett's, the nastiest vodka ever. I can't tell you how much money I gave them. I remember there was a period of two or three years where I think I drank Burnett's vodka every single night for several years. That's not healthy. It's not healthy for your body. It's not healthy for your brain. It's not healthy for the people around you. I was drinking and driving. I was drinking. I was driving. I was drinking. I was using women. I was using anyone I could and anything I could to just escape numb, escape numb. Still didn't want to feel the feelings of the the situations that happened to me at the end of my high school and during my high school career. So here I was, early 20s, and just escaping, escaping, escaping. Everything else was secondary. It was the beginning of my alcoholism. It was the beginning of my addiction to substances, period. At some point along the line, I got a job as the assistant manager of a Taco Bell. It may not sound glamorous, but guess what? I learned so much as a man, as a leader. I learned so much. I learned so much about business. I learned how to operate a business, how to operate a staff, how to lead people. Um, I was a high-functioning addict. I was still using constantly drinking every single night, even during the day if I could. But I was able to still maintain my wits about me when I was at work because I am a high-functioning addict at the time. And it worked out well. I was promoted to general manager, and I was given a high-volume store, still with Taco Bell. Um, And within the first quarter, we were given the most improved unit award. I took that very personally in a good way. I thought it was all due to me, 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 me. I also struggled with an addiction to myself. I masked all my insecurities and everything I hated about myself with my pride. Look what I did. Look at this award I got. I'm 23 All these guys are 40, 50, 45, you know, some guys could be my father, my grandfather, and I was receiving awards already at the company. Wow, good for me. As as you can hear the sarcasm in my voice. It was, I did work hard. I did deserve those awards, but guess who else deserved those awards? The people that did it with me. I did not forget those people. I gave them so much love every time I came in contact with them, but in my head, In my head, I convinced myself that they were great because I was great. And that's a big, big trap. One of my best friends to this day, Mark Luce, was my assistant. He followed me from the one store to the new store I took over as a general manager. And Mark and I grinded our faces off. We're running this store. Here we go. First quarter, most improved unit. Within the first year, I was named the general manager of the year by Taco Bell in the state of Colorado. Again, me, 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 me. Look how great I am. I'm one of 50. Obviously, there's 50 states. There's a general manager in each state for each year. So out of 6,000 stores, I was one of 50. I represented the state of Colorado. Whoop, whoop. Applause again. But look how great I was. I was getting all these awards. I was in my early 20s. I was making money. I was getting bonuses that were ridiculous. 
at the time for me, to get $2,000 every few weeks in a bonus is not safe for a lot of people at that age. And it wasn't for me because it just fueled my alcoholism, my partying lifestyle. And guess what I found here a little bit later? I found cocaine. Now, I had already been dabbling with ecstasy and Molly and Adderall um, and, and other prescription pills, Xanax. But cocaine was great. Do you know how do you know how much you can get done for those of you that have never done cocaine? Do you know how much you can get done in anything when you use cocaine? It's a lot. You can do a lot. And I did. I got a lot done. Again, me 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 me. I was snorting cocaine. I went from not snorting cocaine, never using cocaine to snorting cocaine as much as I possibly could, basically daily for the next few years after that, I became a coke head. I didn't stop drinking. I actually began drinking more because if you know anything about mixing cocaine and alcohol, you can drink a lot. Do a lot of coke, you can drink a lot. So what I did is I did a lot of coke, I drank a lot, and I worked my face off thinking that, man, I'm going to achieve so much. I, 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 me, 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 look how great I am, look at the things I'm doing, I want people to like me, I want people to think I'm worthwhile, now let's pause there, why did I need so much acceptance, why was I so insecure that I had to make up for it with my performance, I would say part of it was possibly my upbringing, Um, we can go into the details about that later, but I believe those wounds of Not making the varsity basketball team when I worked my face off for years to do it. Big chip on my shoulder. My first love left me. Those two things made me feel inadequate, not good enough. Nothing I will ever do will be able to achieve the things that I want. Love, success. So guess what? I decided I was going to do it regardless. I was going to find ways to be successful and make other people know I'm the shit. Side note, I will curse every now and again on here. If you're offended by it, that is not my intention, but I'm going to be me authentically, and sometimes I use curse words. Here we go. I thought I was going to show other people how great I was, and in turn, I would feel better. I would like myself, because I didn't like myself. I didn't love myself. If you love yourself, you don't sniff Coke. You don't pour alcohol down your throat as much as possible. It's just not what you do if you actually love yourself. Guess what? Most of us don't actually love ourselves, especially at that age when we're doing those things. So I continue to use and try to do more and make more money and show people how cool I was. Again, let's pause. Let's add in that back earlier, earlier in my life, I had learned to love hip-hop music, rap music. I plugged it into my ears constantly through my teen years, through my high school years, through my... I loved, and to this day, I love hip-hop music, period. I love hip-hop. So while I was out there in the business world, I also had learned and practiced for many years making music. Hip-hop music specifically, I began writing in journals at a young age, and it developed into recording at Buddy's Studios, and it developed into booking my first show in Fort Collins, Colorado at Hody's Half Note. Shout-out to Hody's Half Note. Shout-out to Moss Gonzalez, a kid I went to junior high with, high school with, always was kind to me and gave me an opportunity to get on my first hip-hop show, uh, a hip-hop showcase in northern Colorado, and it was over. Once I did my first show, it was over. That's all I wanted to do ever. But I still was in business and I was still applying myself. I didn't, I was so caught up in my lifestyle of cloudy partying that I didn't know how to act on the music other than keep doing local shows, which I continued to do. But doing those shows and getting involved in the hip hop scene was very positive for me musically and aspirationally, but it was horrible for me as someone with uh, a tendency to be addicted to substances and to hang with the wrong crowd and do the wrong things. But I did them anyways. So as I was in the business world working and doing all these things and accomplishments, I now had added in, I was now involved in the hip-hop scene. So I was now doing hip-hop shows. And guess what I did at hip-hop shows? I drank and I sniffed Coke and it was a cycle again. I just wanted affirmation. Now, at the time, I did have 
at this time now, I did have a serious girlfriend, but I wanted the recognition of women, men, everyone that I thought would make me feel better about myself. So I wanted them to come see me, see how good of a hip-hop artist I was. I wanted people to know how good I was at business and to just think I was awesome. I wanted people to think I was awesome. But guess what? I'm going to pause and take some coffee. I was not awesome. I was making anti-awesome choices. And eventually it was going to catch up to me. As I continued to use cocaine even heavier and heavier, I became very, very depressed. There was a a period of a year or two where I thought about suicide constantly. I just didn't have any balls to do it. I owned a gun. I owned bullets for the gun. But I couldn't bring myself to, to blow my head off. I couldn't. Mm. There were many times my ex had to talk me down from the cliff that is um, depression and um, me wanting to jump, a.k.a. shoot myself in the head. Very literally, my ex, who I love to death and I will always love her, um, she many times had to stop me or step in when I was on the edge, gun in hand, ready to do something that I would regret this whole time. I'd never thought about the effect, the effect on other people that my use of alcohol and drugs had. Now pause again. If you use alcohol and drugs heavily, you need to think about how it affects other people. It doesn't just affect you. I would be so bold as to say it affects other people more than it affects you. So take a deep look inside yourself. I'm saying this because I love you and I love the people around you and I don't want you to hurt them. And I've been there. So there's my little side rant on that. Back to it. I met someone within the hip-hop community that was a cocaine dealer, distributor. I still, I still really, really, really respect this man. That may sound terrible. Oh, he was a cocaine dealer. Kyle, why do you respect him? I respect him because he hustled. He hustled, he hustled, he hustled, and he was kind. I think those are some of the two most, some of the two most important things you could do in life. Hustle, hustle, and be kind. So even though he was selling me cocaine at 12 p.m., 5 p.m., 9 p.m., 2 a.m., 5 a.m., it didn't matter. This man hustled, but I got my cocaine. But guess what? I became, as I said, I became very depressed, and now I became paranoid. So I'm working, I'm working, I'm doing hip-hop, and this whole time, I'm now depressed. And now, the script has been flipped on me. Everything I was chasing, I wanted money, success, the admiration of others. Now, none of that mattered. Now, it was cocaine, cocaine, cocaine. Give me more, give me more. That's Now, I just worked to get money to buy Coke and alcohol, but Coke. I was sniffing Xanax and crushing them up as much as I could to bring me down. Well, you know what happens when you sniff a lot of Xanax? You become addicted to sniffing Xanax. So now I'm snorting Xanax, I'm snorting Coke, I'm drinking, I'm using the Xanax to bring me down from the Coke, I'm using the Coke to get back up. It is a cycle. If you know addiction, it is a cycle. It's a dangerous, dangerous cycle. And once you're in it, it's very hard to get out. It's like the justice system, (laughs) which I've also been in. Very hard to get out. Recently, I got my driver's license. (laughs) Side note, applause to me. I'm not going to go into every single detail, but I affected the people around me in a very negative way. I was a horrible example for my siblings. I have a younger brother and I have a younger sister. I was a horrible example. I was partying. I was drinking. I was using coke. And I was inviting them to join in with me. Not in the cocaine, but in everything else. I thought, if I don't let them know about the cocaine and and my other choices to use replacements such as Adderall if I couldn't find cocaine. Adderall was pretty was pretty popular, it was pretty easy to find. Sniffing Xanax, I was I had a prescription for Xanax, so it was pretty easy to get that. But if I didn't let them know about the cocaine, somehow I was protecting them, but really I was being detrimental to them because I was bringing them into the dark world that I was a part of. <clears throat> Again, my activities within the hip-hop community mirrored my hatred for myself in the way that I wanted everyone to love me and like me. I I did shows as much as I could. My desire at the time was to look cool. Me, me, me. I need you to tell me I'm good. I still didn't like myself. I still felt inadequate because of those situations that happened to me in the late years of my high school career. 
This continued for many years. I was still successful in business. I was becoming more successful in the hip hop, local hip hop scene. But guess what? I was also the most depressed I had ever been. I was on the brink of suicide and I was using cocaine, which is not cheap at the time I was buying. Usually $100 grams of cocaine and I could use multiple grams of cocaine. Eight ball was not unheard of for me in a night, in a few hours, easy peasy. I also like to share, so I had to buy a lot of cocaine, not just for myself, but for the people around me. Again, I was still drinking heavily. I didn't. I thought I was drinking alcohol like it was water. I didn't even think about it. Cool, two hundred bucks a night, no big deal. I make enough money. I get these. I get this money all the time. I have the money. I can do what I want. And there, I'm going to say that again. In life, this is one of the biggest lies. I can do what I want. Period. You can. Doing whatever you want is probably the worst way to think. Because again, when you do whatever you want, you forget to think about the people that it affects. And here's where it gets a little heavy. After many, many years of repetitive nights of doing cocaine, doing something crazy that I regretted, or being angry, or blacking out because I drank too much, and having to wake up to my ex every day and say, Babe, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Babe, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. Please. Eventually, she did, that that meant nothing. She didn't care about my sorry or my forgive me. She loved me, which I don't understand, and I never will. She stuck it out with me. But after after years and years of every day waking up and saying, "I'm sorry. Please forgive me." Oh, I did that. Oh no. Or please don't tell me. I don't want to know. Which she didn't like either, because you need to know what you did. But she protected me. But after years and years and years of this, eventually my ex said, Kyle, if you don't change, I'm not here. I'm leaving. I'm going to leave. Now, mind you, over the past few years, my mother had talked to me many times about going to a rehab facility, getting some help. I didn't give a fuck. There he goes again. I did not care about anybody I wasn't thinking about my mom or my dad who raised me very well and loved me unconditionally for years and years and years. And then I went off and decided I was going to make all the decisions they said were not wise and go against everything I was taught. Again, many of you out there right now, you think I can do whatever I want. I'm just drinking. I'm just partying a little bit. I'm in my 20s. I'm going to party for a little bit. You are affecting other people. If you know other people, you're affecting them. It is ignorant to think you're not. I'm going to tell you right now, if you are using alcohol and drugs heavily or even not heavily but it is affecting other people, you don't need to do it. Now I can tell you that till I'm blue in the face, but life is going to have to teach you. Back to me. My fiance was to the, at this point, I ooh, didn't tell you that. My my girlfriend became my fiance through all this shenanigans. I was at a, a business conference in California, and I proposed to her um, in <laughs> Newport Beach, California, where we had planned to someday move and live our lives. Um, so I now had a fiancé who was telling me, Kyle, I'm sick of you telling me you're sorry. You're not sorry. Your actions map differently. You're not sorry. You don't want me to forgive you. You don't care, and if you don't change, I'm leaving. I had my mother crying, Kyle, I love you, you need help, my father constantly, Kyle, you need help, you need help, my buddy, Mark, my best friend, at critical mass, when this all came to a head, had had rallied my family to intervene, they were, they were planning an intervention, but luckily, I screwed up big enough they didn't have to, there was an incident at the culmination of my years and years of drinking and partying and drug use and thinking only of myself, um, that I almost shot and killed someone. It's in the past. Um, I did not shoot and kill someone. By the grace of God, I dropped the said gun. Said gun. But that was it. I realized at that time, I started flushing all my Adderall, all my Coke. I was done. I thought I was done. I'd had it. I was facing some serious, serious charges. And I was tired of life. I was sick of life. I was sick of the way I was living. So like I said, no intervention needed. God intervened and let me screw up royally. After this incident that night where someone almost got shot, my mother again um, showed me some rehab facilities. And I finally, in my last moments of desperation, saw one 
that I really liked called the Harmony Foundation in Estes Park, Colorado. And I was ready to go. And I told my mom, I'm ready to go. Within the following weeks, I checked into a rehab facility and began to get the help that I needed so that I didn't die. Again, so that I didn't die. Again, for all you out there, you may think that you're just dabbling and you're you're just having a few. Eventually, if you don't change, you will die. I'm not saying over the course of your life everyone dies. I'm saying if you make these choices to continue and to use substances, you will die. It's a matter of time. My uncle died at the age of 40. He didn't use drugs per se. He drank alcohol, which is a drug. But he drank alcohol until he died at age 40. If you think it can't happen to you, you are ignorant. My fiance, my ex-fiance, her father, he died and he was not even 60 because his body swelled up and shut down because he drank so much alcohol. He was a lovely man. But guess what? His choices to drink and to use the substance killed him. We will have another episode about alcohol and substances. But I checked into rehab and I give all credit to three entities. One, I give the credit to God without the intervention of God somehow on that night letting me not not making me but letting me make very poor decisions over the course of many years and on this night when the incident occurred God allowed me to do that which led me to the second entity I give credit to my mother who got me into rehab and the third entity I give credit for for why I'm still standing is the Harmony Foundation in Estes Park, Colorado. The people of that place loved me unconditionally, which is what I had been looking for for years. Since my late high school years when I was broken and my heart was broken because of those incidents, basketball and my girlfriend, these people were the first people outside of my family to care about me regardless of what I had done who I was how I behaved they loved me and for the next 30 days the people of the Harmony Foundation plugged me with love and filled me with love and gave me the tools to get back out there and to live a sober clean life I can now say today I'm over four years sober from drugs and alcohol and that is because God my parents and the Harmony Foundation in Estes Park Colorado That is not the whole story. Let me tell you one lie that I believe that I now know is a huge lie for people who are trying to recover from substance abuse. Going to rehab will not fix your life. I hope it will get you clean so that you can begin to fix your life. But going to rehab will not fix your life. I went to rehab. I got out. I was clean. I was not fixed. There's no way you can become fixed, quote unquote, fixed. All your problems will not go away in 30 days because you went to a rehab center. That's a lie. If you believe that, it's very dangerous. I got out of rehab a few months later. I needed to change my people, places, and environment. So I moved. I took a job with Chipotle and I moved to Dallas, Texas. I moved to Dallas, Texas with my fiance in 2015. I got out of rehab at the beginning of 2015, um, and I began my journey of sobriety and trying to stay clean. It was not easy. You still affect the people around you even when you're clean. Stop believing the lies that I'm clean, therefore I'm perfect. No, you're not. You are far from perfect. You're only beginning when you get clean. I was so angry and at myself and at the world. I came out of rehab with so much anger. I was clean of substances, but my heart was not clean. I wasn't clean of anger. I was not clean of bitterness. I was not clean of resentment. I was not clean of my pride. I was not clean of anything other than alcohol and drugs. I took a job with Chipotle, as I said. I began to, again, work my face off because it's in my DNA. I can't help it. When I'm doing something, I work my face off, and that's how it goes. It's in my DNA, all credit to my father and to my heavenly father, but also my earthly father who instilled in me massive work ethic, massive work ethic. I say that twice because I think it's so important. If you want to do anything well, you need massive work ethic, period. So I knew this whole time going back to 
to my time in the in the local hip hop scene in Colorado, my heart knew now that I was clean of substances that music was what I loved and it was my life's dream to do music as a career full time to make hip hop music. I had made hip hop music as a side hustle, but I realized once I got clean and moved to Texas that that was all I wanted to do. I was done working for corporations and carrying out their vision. I think Chipotle is a great company. I think Taco Bell is a very good business. I do not subscribe to their vision. It is not my vision. I don't take away from those companies' visions. I think those are great businesses with great visions. But my passion is not quick-serve restaurant management or leadership. I signed a one-year contract with Chipotle in 2015. When I moved to Dallas and I started my first week, I looked at my fiancé one day and I said, I'm going to work the one year that I signed this contract for and I'm out. I'm done. I'm not doing this. So I worked for Chipotle for that one year. During that year, they gave me the toughest. Thank you, Chipotle. They gave me the toughest assignment in the North Dallas region. They gave me the shittiest (laughs) Chipotle in the region. I'm new to the company. They gave me the store and said, hey, can you turn this around and fix this business? Mind you, I don't want to even be working for that business anymore. I'm ready to go and do music 25 hours a day until I drop dead. So what did I do? Again, work ethic is in my DNA. I took over that store. We fired the entire staff and I built that store up. In less than a year, I built that store back up to become profitable, to have a solid culture, to have a solid staff and team that believed in each other, believed in me, I believed in them. And that store was headed for greatness. Greatness. Quickly. That's what I did. Not to pat myself on the back, but I am a true leader. And I believe I can go into any business. And because of my people's skills, that business will win. And I believed in myself so much. Pause. Let's talk about self-belief for two seconds. If you do not believe in yourself, first of all, no one else will. But if you do not believe in yourself, you will struggle to be successful at anything. If you don't believe in yourself, you will struggle to be successful at anything. So I had massive self-belief. I had no desire to work for that company, but I had all the desire to be the very best I could. I always have. I always will. So we turned that store around, and in August of 2016, my one-year contract with Chipotle was done. Two weeks before I left, my area director came to me and offered me a position. She offered me the job, and I offered her my two weeks' notice. Let's stop there real quick and focus on why. If you are making decisions in your career and your life that affect your happiness for some dollars, I would definitely recommend you rethink that. If you want to be happy and you settle, you settle, you give up bits of your happiness for money, ah, that makes me very nervous for your future. I said no to a decent amount of money and perks and career, woo-ha, I don't care about that because I was not happy and I knew I was not going to be happy within the structure of a corporation I didn't own, a business I didn't own. I always acted like an owner, but I didn't own it. It was not mine. I was going to go build music out. And guess what? In 2016, I left. I had already bought my home studio equipment with money I had made at these corporations. Again, I have to thank those businesses. Those businesses gave me the money to invest into this business of music that I then started to pursue more intensely than I had before, even though I had never technically stopped music. I took about two years off from music from 2015, um, or I'm sorry, the end of 2014 till 2016, about a year and a half, maybe I took off from music as I got sober, but it was in my soul, had been since I was young, and had not gone away, so I left Chipotle after my one-year contract was fulfilled, it was up, I was done, I left on great terms, I think the people of Chipotle on a large scale are wonderful, I think it's a great business, I hope it doesn't become over-corporatized, which I see already happening, but Nonetheless, Chipotle is an amazing company. They treated me with the utmost respect, kindness, gave me a lot, gave me a new opportunity to get out of where I was, move to a new city, and to restart, per se, what I was doing in life. So I left Chipotle, and I began recording music instantly. I think I recorded a song the next day. 
Within this time, many things had happened that I was unaware of. I became aware at the end of 2016 that my fiance was going to be leaving me and my world again, as in back in the day, again, my world was shattered. There were two things I wanted to do in life at this point, music and marry my fiance. Music I was able to do, but now my fiance was leaving me. How do you have any motivation to do something you love if another thing you love just left? So here I was again, clean, sober, clean and sober, cool, cool, but I was not healthy and I was now alone. My ex left me the two cats that I had gotten her and she went on her way. Here I was, me, two cats, one bedroom apartment, studio in my closet with a blanket hanging up and I began to pour out my heart into the microphone. I put out... The next year in 2017, my first EP titled This Is Me, very raw. Give it a listen. It's on iTunes and Spotify if you're interested in SoundCloud. But that during that very dark time, I didn't stray from the dream, from the goal to make music and to put my heart into the music. Again, I have the DNA. My father gave me the work ethic. If I'm going to do something, it's 100 or 0. There's nothing in between. I don't give 57. I don't give 93. I don't understand that. I don't speak that language. It was 100%. Till 4 a.m. I was recording. I was writing. I was drinking coffee at 2 in the morning so I could stay up till 6. That was massive dedication, massive self-belief, and pause, massive risk. Another thing that you have to be aware of if you want to do something great, you have to take massive risks. I left what would be deemed as my lifelong career path, years and decades of success if I would have stayed on that path, quote unquote success in the world's eyes, not my success. Working for someone else just because I make a lot of money is not successful. Doing what I want, making no money is much more successful and that's what I was doing. I was, I'd got a job waiting tables in downtown Plano at the Urban Rio. At this time, I had put out that EP, I was making music, and I had a broken heart that was basically bleeding out of my chest every day. I had, I was high-low, high-low. When I was in music mode, all I thought about was music. When I came out of it, all I thought about was pain, pain, pain. All I felt was pain, pain, pain. I thought again, for the second time in my life, what if I put this gun to my head? What if I use it? This can all go away. Easy solution. Again, I just didn't have the balls to do it. I had the ammunition. I had the tool. I didn't have the balls to do it. Thank God. Because I was very, very much aware of where I was mentally and emotionally. Around this time, I started going to church with my aunt and uncle who lived in Dallas. Thank God. At a place called Watermark. Watermark Church in Dallas, Texas. I would almost go as far as to say that they saved my life the second time. They have a ministry there called the Regeneration Ministry. It's a 12-step recovery program for anybody, for anybody. If you struggle with eating too many Cheerios every day, this is for you. If you struggle with just not liking yourself, this is for you. If you struggle with shooting heroin into your veins, it's also for you. This was a 12-step program that put me around other men that were struggling but had something to give, which was love. And they gave me massive love, just like Harmony when I was going to get sober from substances. These folks helped me get through my heartbreak and, and the, the pain that I felt. The Regeneration 12-Step Program is one is the is the thing. If someone said, Kyle, what's the if you could recommend one thing to somebody in life, anything, anything, food, drinks, exercise, what would you recommend to somebody that is struggling in life? I would say the Regeneration Program, the 12-Step Program at Watermark. It'll change their life. I continue to tell people that. I went through that program in 2017. September 21st of 2018, I put out my second EP titled September 21, which is the day September 21st, 2014 is the day that I got engaged to my ex. I have it tattooed on my left arm in Roman numerals. September 21st will always be a super important day to me. So my second EP was titled that. The music became better because guess what? I was practicing self-belief and work ethic. I've dropped a song Every month since the beginning of 2018, put out two projects. Here we are today. Let's not go too deep into the music right now. But here we are. 
I now have moved into a home. My sister moved down here last year in 2018. My sister is a makeup influencer and really just an influencer of people, mainly on Instagram and YouTube. Um, But she is a creative, massively talented, creative influencer. And her and I now have a house. And guess what we do? We create and we grind our freaking faces off because we know, we know that we were built to do something great. That's where I'm currently at as I record this podcast in the same studio that I record music in and I do work in. This is where it goes down. This is the dirt. (laughs) This is where the grind happens. This is where I do what I do every day repetitively and I love it. I love it. I told my dad yesterday, every day that I get to wait tables and make music, it becomes more and more incredible and I am successful. I am more successful in my own eyes than I ever was making money at any business or leading any staff or feeling good about some cool awards I got. I love business, but guess what? I love being happy way more. I think I'm going to end it right there. Here it is. Here it is. You, you listening, me, we are all here for a reason. Find your purpose. You want to be happy? Stop chasing money. Stop trying to find happiness in how people think of you. All of those things will come and go. Some people will think you're cool. Some people won't. It's impossible to make every person you interact with like you. That's a ridiculous goal. To have a million dollars, most of you probably will never make a million dollars. If you do and you don't have the right mindset, you will probably be depressed and unhappy. Happiness is the goal here. Happiness comes through finding your purpose. Search out your purpose. What do you love? Figure it out. Ask questions. Ask the people around you, what am I good at? Here I go ranting. But again, happiness is what you're looking for, not money. Money doesn't equate to happiness. We have we know this. We know this. All of us know somebody or have seen people talk about or heard people talk about money doesn't make you happy. I have it. It doesn't make me happy. But we still chase it. What are we doing? Stop chasing the things that people have said. This proven, it's proven by experience. Money will not bring you any happiness. It won't. Fleeting happiness, but long-lasting happiness will not come from money. That is my life story. I have so much more to say. This was episode one of Inside the Mirror. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you here again.